Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, not every great coach has a championship under his belt. Three of 22 coaches in the Pro Football Hall of Fame are without a championship, but if a coach takes two different teams to the Super Bowl four times, Isn't he Hall of Fame worthy? You're behind the mic with Mike O'Neill Jr. All right, all right, all right. We have a lot to get to. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you, not for the know-it-alls. Poof, be gone, find another show. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to what? Enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us all out on bellyupsports.com, our home platform of Spreaker. Also, Apple Podcast, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, well, iTunes is Apple. <laughs> Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast. Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. I was trying to say YouTube as well. Let's get right to it. It's the final regular season uh, week already in the books, and it's playoff time. So with that being said, the final regular season rundown, week 18, the first time in NFL history, yet another week of football. Great for the fans, pretty good for the players. Uh This was a week of playoff implications, positioning, NFL records, team records, rookie records, and money, bonuses, win, and you're in. Number one seeds at stake, Chiefs, Titans, a yard here or there, consecutive starts, you get that extra cabbage. Oh yeah, if any of you out there want to become an NFL head coach, Black Monday has come and gone as of yesterday. Get your resumes ready. Seven head coaching positions are now open as well as three GM spots and possibly more. Time is now. Put those resumes in. We'll start Saturday. Chiefs at Broncos. Apparently, Kansas City rookie Nick Bolton gave Missouri's offense problems when he was a freshman there, according to former Missouri quarterback and current Bronco quarterback Drew Locke. These problems continued on Saturday. Denver, they were driving to secure a win with another touchdown because Kansas City could not stop the run for whatever reason. (laughs) And Bronco running back, he coughed it up. Coughed up the ball. Melvin Gordon dropped the ball on the ground on a hit from Melvin Ingram. Bolton got a scoop and score. And you had to see the priceless faces of Denver fans. Anyway, the third coach on the chopping block ended up being Vic Fangio, of course, following John Gruden of the Raiders and Urban Meyer of the Jaguars. And again, they had a better season than I thought that they would, you know, but 
when you're without your starting quarterback and you've just been, your teams have been too up and down the entire time you've been there, they're not going to extend you out and give you too much time. All right, David, they, they like to put people in the microwave these days, hit start and poof, uh, you're in the playoffs and you get a championship. Doesn't always happen that way. Quarterbacks do help. Second game of Saturday, Cowboys at Eagles, Dallas, they score 51 points, mostly against the backups and the scrubs for the Eagles. Both teams are in the playoffs, so what do you expect? Dak Prescott, anyway, he broke the team record, Tony Romo's record to be exact, for touchdown passes in the season with 36. He threw five on Saturday night. On to Sunday, Bengals at Browns. Here we go again. You know, you got some guys that's sitting for the Browns, of course. Joe Burrow is not playing. He had the knee thing, even though dancing in the locker room with the cigar in his mouth didn't look like he was too hurt. Maybe it was sore the next day. But before the rest of the Browns were at home with Baker Mayfield, they went out and got a final W of the season. And uh, that, I guess that was great. Clap, clap. See you next year. Packers at Lions. I know, I know, I know. I get it. I get it. Aaron Rodgers sat for the second half of the game. But still, it was admirable watching Detroit win their second, their season finale. It wasn't their second win. I think it was their third win. I, I stopped keeping up after a while. But I seriously feel that this squad can turn the corner on next year. But uh, you just never know. But the rest of the NFC North, they better watch their kneecaps because this offense has gotten a lot more dangerous. They do need some defense. Bears at Vikings. All right, so a mouthful here, kind of. Minnesota, they won the season finale against Chicago. But again, two more head coaches got their offices boxed up on Monday. Matt Nagy, he turned into his playbook after, you know, started so well that first year. They were 12-4, and four and now he's fired because the team just got worse and worse. And, oh, Ryan Pace, GM, uh, he's calling Mayflower as well. Minnesota head coach Mike Zimmer, he wasn't too comfortable after the game for obvious reasons. And both of those franchises, Chicago and Minnesota, they needed to make the playoffs. They had to make the playoffs, period. These are two of the coaches that uh, I had not called out but talked about early in the season on a couple of other shows. It's like, look, Vic Fangio, Zach Taylor, Mike Zimmer. It was too easy. It was too easy. Matt Nagy, these were coaches that had to win. They had to get to the playoffs. And they're not the only ones. And, of course, there was a surprise. But they were not the only ones. They needed to get into the playoffs. And not only get into the playoffs, they needed to get deep into the playoffs. But it probably stings a lot more for Mike Zimmer because, you know, him, along with Rick Spielman, this GM, he was fired as well. They lost eight one-possession games this year. Not to mention, they seem to be in one-possession games every single week of the season. Except for last week, no Kirk Cousins, only 10 points, and they got drilled. But you, the ball bounces funny. That's why the football is just shaped weird. You, know, just, you never know what's going to happen. But you have to win. You have to win. Washington at the Giants. Look, the New York Giants stink. There's no easy way to say that. Let's just say it like it is. And when your team stinks, that means you don't have any talent. And when you don't have any talent, the first place that you need to do as a fan is look up there in the box where Dave Gettleman sits, the Giants GM, or the former Giants GM. And from what I read, neither Gettleman or the co-owners, John Mara and Steve Tisch, they didn't speak. So Gettleman, he saved them the trouble and retired. He was going to get fired anyway. But 
How about Coach Joel Judge? Was he going to keep his job? The question that I asked, and a, a lot of people asked, and he got fired today as well. So, uh, as far as the team is concerned, Washington, they got some talent. But it was just a season where Ryan Rivera's team, whether it was health or, or, or well, I guess COVID is involved in it, right? They just went backwards. And they got the final win of the season in New York. But it just leaves me wondering about the quarterback position as much as i like taylor heineke not sure if he's the long-term answer i mean we'll find out they'll make that determination in a couple of months not a lot of quarterbacks in this draft though anyway colts at jaguars you have got to be kidding me i'm not mad being i am a steelers fan yeah but i'm a titan supporter but i'm not mad but you've got to be kidding me (laughs) the hottest team i seen somebody on twitter so on clown day for the fans in Jack in Jacksonville, you're going to lose this game against the Jaguars with fan in front of fans dressed like clowns with your seven pro bowlers and playoffs on the line. And you go down there and you lose for the seventh straight time. You lost that game. I, I, I just couldn't believe that. I, I couldn't believe that. And that meant that my Steelers had a chance to get into the playoffs and the Colts eliminated with the Jaguars on the other hand they won twice they won the game and they also got the number one pick in the draft but you know it it just with the Sunday being the clown game for the the, for those who don't know all the fans like I said they dressed up like clowns because they're not happy with GM Trent Balky okay they're trying to get Khan the owner for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're trying to get his attention. Look, get this dude out of here. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If this dude screws up this year's draft, as well as the head coaching hire, they are going to burn that stadium and have those facilities down in Jacksonville. They are. And look, Trent Balky coming in from San Francisco. Here are the coaches that he hired since Jim Harbaugh in 2014. Jim Tom Sula, trash. Chip Kelly, Doug Marone and Urban Meyer didn't even last the season. Woof. Steelers at Ravens. Look, man, TJ Watt, he ties Michael Strahan's single season record for sacks with 22 and a half. And I thought that first, uh, it looked like a sack fumble to me, but it was a fumble by the quarterback. And he picked it up. There wasn't a sack. I thought, ah, he was going to get it. But uh, they didn't count that as a sack. Anyway, uh, Steelers won that game. They beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Pittsburgh got into the playoffs. What more did I need? I, I, I'll take it even if we get killed. All right, you know what? Let me let me let me move on. Titans at Texans. Y'all got to stop playing like that. Tennessee Titans. You have to stop playing like that. It was the Texans. I know it was the last game of the season. Y'all had something to play for. You played your starters. They played their starters, and you held on for a three-point win. Y'all supposed to be better than that. You're the top team in the AFC but truth be told there is no clear cut uh, somebody that's going to win the Super Bowl you can't pick a Super Bowl winner this year I'm throwing that in the middle of this you cannot pick a Super Bowl winner this year you could probably say oh they could the, the Packers or, or, or the no nobody's guaranteed nobody's guaranteed I probably well, maybe the Packers more than anybody else but nobody's guaranteed because teams for the most part they've been so up and down and and schizophrenic you'll hear that word a couple times here in the next five minutes but i I really don't understand that but i'm proud 
of the Titans for securing the number one overall seed in the AFC. And all they need to do is beat the Texans in Houston. They took care of business, and they're going to need that first round bye to get Derrick Henry one more week of prep. Anyway, Saints at Falcons. Look, New Orleans won the football game. They missed the playoffs. They need a quarterback. I seriously doubt that Jameis Winston, who is turnover prone, Taysom Hill, who was injury prone, or Trevor Simeon, who's only a backup, will take the Saints deep into any postseason. I like Taysom Hill. I love his athleticism. He's getting a little bit better, but he's old. Okay, you know he's how old he is? He's 31 right now. He'll be 32 going into next season. And with all the injuries that he continues to suffer, quarterbacks age very fast in this league when you stay hurt. And speaking of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, we'll see how long he stays uh, with the Falcons or in the league for that matter. He's not getting any younger himself. Afternoon slate, Jets at Bills. Congrats, Bills fans. You won the AFC East, even though, for the second year in the row, uh, that is, even though it looked like y'all worked a little bit too hard to do it this year. I'm not talking about just on Sunday, but this year. You got it done. We'll see how you do next week. Buffalo, they host, well, this week rather, Buffalo host New England for the first time since 1963 when it was still the AFL. New York Jets, get ready for the draft. 49ers at Rams. I got a buddy named William Nelson that I work with. He's the only one of the few, actually, 49er fans that I know. If I was still a 49ers fan of my own self, I would do exactly what I told him to do. And we talked about this when San Francisco came to Nashville to play the Titans. Dress up like Debo from Friday, ride a beach cruiser around the stadium, and take somebody's chain. And yes, I got that from him. Strike up the music. Only people that watch the movie Friday know exactly who I'm talking about. But Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Elijah Mitchell, and Juwan Jennings took the LA Rams bike and their grandmama's chain. That was the second best game I watched on Sunday. And if you didn't see it, the Rams were up 17 zip, basically talking trash from what George Kittle said after the game. And San Francisco outscored them 27 to seven. Tying the game up in the fourth, kicking a go-ahead field goal in overtime, and then proceeded to pick off Matt Stafford at the end of the game to end the game. Rams fans, listen to me. Listen good, as much as I like Stafford. How many times this season has this dude turned the football over when you needed it least? I don't trust the Rams in the playoffs. And Cooper Cup, congrats on the Triple Crown, the yards, the receptions, the touchdown catches. But you can catch 248 passes and it won't matter. L.A. has lost six straight games to San Francisco. Cue my boy, Willie Nelson. Patriots at the Dolphins. I'm upset. Why is Brian Flores fired? Now, I haven't looked at anything since yesterday. I still haven't got a good logical explanation except for this. I mean, look, the team was, the Dolphins were dog food before he got there. And the three years he's been there, they've done nothing but improve. Now, people thought they were taken in 2019 until they started beating teams they weren't supposed to. Last year, they were 10 and six. They barely missed the playoffs. And all of this, and, and even this year, yeah, they opened up what one and seven they lost seven straight games then they won seven straight games won eight of their last nine that's coaching that's coaching 
And all of this happened with the question marks at quarterback between Tua and, and the beard, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, before that. Look, I understand, you know, losing seven straight games in two different seasons. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's not great. Um, but when you consider what the man has done to get them over the hump, you have to have a quarterback, right? And everybody was always talking about, oh, we got to get rid, they have to get rid of Tua. Oh, God. You know, there, there was no continuity. Tua played pretty good this season. He really, really did. But, look, they beat the Patriots on Sunday, and they completed a season sweep, and they finished one game behind them at 9-8. and eight. The only logical explanation I heard comes from the inside. There's people out there that know the truth. I don't. Okay, so this is just me from, from right now. Ownership. I'm talking about Stephen Ross said it was it came down from what I read it came down to either Brian Flores or Chris Greer who couldn't get along. Is that true? I mean, and then also the other reason was because there was a lot of turnover on the coaching staff, particularly with the coordinators. But yet Flores is a hot coaching candidate since he's been fired. I wonder why that is. Maybe he gets the best out of his players. I'm just throwing that out there. Part of me almost hopes that the Dolphins are trash from here on out. It's not the players' fault, but I'm looking at ownership. Somebody please transport me to a world where everybody gets along and rainbows, walks on rainbows and gumdrops can be plucked from the trees. Look, I'm just kidding, Ashley. Please don't do that. But please show me the perfect team where players and owners and GMs and everybody gets along. That doesn't always happen. It does not exist. Plenty of squads have won in the past championships and they hated each other but they found a way you need to find a way miami swallow your pride grow up you just ruined it seahawks at the cardinals arizona they're not as schizophrenic as the chargers there's that word again but they're pretty close the entire nfc west was planted at the same time you know the rams 49ers seahawks and cardinals and all arizona had to do what did they have to do they had to win the football game and then they won the division. Russell Wilson and those 10 lost, no playoff Seahawks pulled a pencil out just like Lee Corso and said, not so fast, my friend. They beat Arizona 38 to 30. The Cardinals, they're going to play better than that if they want to go deep in the postseason, period. They have all the talent in the world. And as far as the Seahawks, the only question going into the offseason is whether or not Russell Wilson will at least put in one more year. Mm. Will he clock in? Pa uh, Panthers at the Buccaneers. Look, as a dad, when you play with your kids, you give them a little bit of confidence sometimes, right? You let them feel like they're winning. Then you drop the hammer. That was the Buccaneers, what they did to the Panthers on Sunday. Who is your daddy? Tampa got a 41-17 win as they headed into the playoffs. Tom Brady throws for 5,000 yards a second time, joining Drew Brees as the only two players to do so in NFL history. Mike Evans, the only NFL player in history to have 1,000 yards in his first eight seasons, and the Buccaneers finished with their best record in franchise history as far as wins are concerned with 13. Now, where I really wanted to get to Sunday Night Football, Chargers at the Raiders, I really don't know what to say. The only way Pittsburgh was going to miss the playoffs and Big Ben Roethlisberger's career was going to be over if that game ended in a tie, which it didn't. L.A. head coach Brandon Staley refuses to punt the football. 
I don't even know why he even has a punter on the team. Anyway, if they were on the half-yard line, on their own half-yard line, he would go for it on fourth and 80. I'm, I'm just, I, that's what I feel like. Quarterback Justin Herbert and those schizophrenic chargers, they continue to convert fourth downs. And these jokers not only score and convert a two-point conversion, but they drive score again and tie the freaking game in the fourth quarter. In overtime, I seriously thought the Raiders and the Chargers, they were going to sit on the ball. I thought they were going to settle for a tie. I mean, what was it going to hurt? Seriously, what, what was it going to hurt? Thank God, thank God, Brandon Staley called a timeout. And I, I, I mean, I'm sitting up in my bed and I'm going nuts, you know, as a Steelers fan. What are you doing? I, he, he called a timeout and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And then Jacobs runs for what, 10 yards and another first down. The Raiders called their own timeout. Daniel Carlson comes through again in the clutch, game-winning field goal, sending the Chargers to the house for good, and Vegas into the postseason for the first time since they was in the Super Bowl, what, back 2002, something like that. But wait, why didn't the team settle for a tie? Now, interim head coach Rich Bisaccia said afterwards that they thought about taking the knee and just ending the game. I even saw a video on Twitter that where Justin Herbert is looking over at a teammate saying, I, I, I've never wanted a tie more in my life. You, you right. <laughs> you are right. But the question that you have to ask yourself, and this is per Chris Sims, he said this on his podcast. He said, and, and I'm saying it my own way, but would you rather play as the Raiders play the Chiefs or the Bengals? I understand the Bengals are hot, but would you as the Raiders want to play the Chiefs or the Bengals? I've been getting my head beat in by the Chiefs all the time. I have a better chance playing against the Bengals. I match up better against Cincinnati. Hmm. Let's kick this thing and let's go home. I'm glad they did. Look, in fitting that the last regular season game ends like a majority seemingly like what the other 250 some odd games this year in the regular season in the final seconds. Thank you, Las Vegas Raiders. Sincerely, Steelers Nation. Now, three days after Christmas, we lost John Madden, Hall of Fame broadcaster and head coach. January 1st, we lost another head coaching great. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Last week, I rehashed my segment on John Madden from last summer. I did mention 
after winning Super Bowl XI, the 77 Raiders team went back to the AFC Championship for one final time. That year, in the 70s that is, that year, they were beaten by the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship. And those Broncos then lost to the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl XII in New Orleans in the Superdome. The Cowboys' offensive coordinator that year was Dan Reeves, a young up-and-coming coach in his own right and former Dallas Cowboys running back. When most say the name Dan Reeves, they may think about the former head coach of the Denver Broncos. I mean, I obviously I do. That's where he spent 12 years on the sidelines for. And the guy who was on the sidelines, he wore brown suit coats, tie, glasses, right? Born and raised in Georgia, Dan Reeves was a three-sport athlete that ended up having one, counted, one scholarship offer. That was at South Carolina. And it's funny what happens when you show out in the high school all-star game. And then the scholarship offer started rolling in. That's exactly what happened with Dan Reeves. and But he chose to stick to his commitment to the Gamecocks. Reeves was a three-year starter at quarterbacks for South Carolina, finishing as the all-time passing leader in school history, a collegiate career that saw him inducted into the University of South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame in 1977 and the State of South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame in 2006. But the two-time All-ACC selection, he went undrafted in 1965. Although, his saving grace was that he had interest from the NFL, Dallas Cowboys, the AFL, the LA Chargers, and Major League Baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And according to Todd Brock of CowboysWire.com, and I quote, he signed with Dallas, even though they offered him less money because they were willing to try him at other positions. Now, he played safety and special teams for the Cowboys. Then he was moved to running back because of injuries. Reeves turned into one of those dual threat running backs, a runner that can also catch the football. In his second year in 1966, he led the Cowboys in rushing. Second in receiving behind Bob Hayes, Bullet Bob Hayes. And that 66 season, he finished it with 1,300 all-purpose yards and his 16 touchdowns led the NFL. And it was then a franchise record, a Cowboys record. Now keep in mind that Dallas hadn't had a winning season yet. That year, they went to their first championship game, the first of two consecutive championship games against the Green Bay Packers. And this would be the first of 20 consecutive winning seasons for the Dallas Cowboys. Good game, played in the Cotton Bowl. Of course, Green Bay beat them to go on to Super Bowl one. as a matter of fact. Well, they fought again the next year in 1967 for the right to go to Super Bowl two. this time in Green Bay, the famous Ice Bowl. And Reeves was responsible for the only Cowboy offensive touchdown in the game. He threw a 50-yard touchdown pass to Lance Renzel that put the Cowboys up 17 to 14 in that game with 4.50 left to go in the fourth quarter. Again, they lost 21 to 17 on a Bart Starr quarterback sneak. Now, halfback passes, they became an obvious staple in the Cowboys offense under Tom Landry because of Reeves' quarterbacking history. But the next year, things didn't work out too well for Dan Reeves. In week four, he's the starting running back still, in 1968 against the St. Louis Cardinals, Dan Reeves suffered torn ligaments in his knee that stayed with him the rest of his career. He was never the same. He was lost for the season, but he ended up offered 
being offered a new position as a player coach. So he got to see both sides of the fence. Imagine a player in coaching meetings, but in a book that I um, actually just bought, I read online in a story that he talked about how difficult it was basically being in coaching meetings and not being able to talk about things in those coaching meetings to the players and then vice versa, being a player and not being able to talk to the coaches about some of the things that the players, you know, <laughs> talked about. He had kind of a, that he was torn. Uh, that's pretty difficult, as one could imagine, but it did set him up for his future job, obviously. But 1969 and 1970, he wasn't the starter anymore. You had guys like Dwayne Thomas, Walt Garrison, and Calvin Hill. Yes, Hall of Fame basketball player Grant Hill's daddy. They, these guys, they were the ones that was in the rotation along with him. He still played, although not as much as he used to. Then there was Super Bowl V, the game that we refer to a lot on the show. That was won by the Baltimore Colts on a last-second field goal. And there was a pass during that final drive the Cowboys had that actually went right through Reeves' hands. It was high if you watch it. But it went through his hands and it was picked off, which set up that game-winning field goal. But the next year in 71, the Cowboys finally broke through and they won it all in Super Bowl VI. 72, though, would be his final season as a player, retiring after eight seasons at the age of 28. The knees, man. It was the knees. He finished his Cowboys career with 1,990 rushing yards, 25 touchdowns, 129 receptions for 1,693 more yards, and 17 more touchdowns. My goddamn Reeves, even he didn't play as much as he, he really played a bulk of two seasons out of eight years. But my guy was always in the end zone. Not bad for an undrafted guy. After stepping away from Dallas in 73, he would return as an assistant coach under the, the legend, the legend Tom Landry, a year later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The 1974 Dallas Cowboys, they were in a year of transition. It would be the final season for several key players. Remember, this team was born in 1960, and their first ever draft pick, Hall of Fame defensive tackle Bob Lilly, he retired. Bob Hayes, he would move on to the San Francisco 49ers before retiring himself. Walt Garrison and Calvin Hill would be gone. And on top of all that, the Cowboys, who lost four straight games after a week one victory, finished the season eight and six, missing the playoffs. The team regrouped the next year in 1975, and they got to the Super Bowl, losing to Pittsburgh uh, in what was at the time the greatest Super Bowl ever, Super Bowl 10, 21 to 17 in Miami's Orange Bowl. Dan Reeves spent the 75 and 76 seasons as the Dallas Cowboys offensive backfield coach. But in 1977, he was promoted to offensive coordinator. Now, keep this in mind. If anybody knows anything about Tom Landry, he did call a majority of the plays. But he did work together 
uh, and keep this also in mind, Mike Dicker was also on that coaching staff who was the Bears Hall of Fame tight end. He even played for the Dallas Cowboys as well and was a part of that Super Bowl VI victory. Um, but these are two guys that I found out in my studying that Tom Landry did allow to have some say and also actually had their hands on things, right? So that year, that same year in 77, the Cowboys drafted Pittsburgh running back and Heisman Trophy winner Tony Dorsett. Of course, the 77 Cowboys, like I said earlier, they met the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl XII, and they won it all for a second Super Bowl title. The next four seasons, the Cowboys offense obviously hummed as Landry and Reeves had an offense that was stacked with talent. I mean, some of these guys are already in the Hall of Fame. You got Tony Dorsett, Roger Staubach, Drew Pearson. He had some good players, too, like Butch Johnson and Robert Newhouse, Tony Hill, Billy Joe Dupree, a pretty solid offensive line, and Preston Pearson. But the head coach for the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl XII was Red Miller, who was in his first season as a head coach that year. I almost feel like that guy got a raw deal, but, I mean, the NFL is the NFL. I mean, check the names of the guys that got fired, and some will jump out to you. What? But, you know, judge for yourself. He got the Broncos to the Super Bowl his first year. They got back to the playoffs in 78, but they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who will go on to win Super Bowl 13 against, guess who? The Dallas Cowboys. And the 79 Broncos were back in the playoffs again, but they lost in the first round to the Houston Oilers, who ended up losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who went on to win Super Bowl XIV. See a trend here? Miller was fired after, 80, after the 1980 season. The team did kind of go into a decline. They didn't make the playoffs. And he was replaced by Dan Reeves in 1981, as Reeves was hired as the NFL's youngest head coach at age 37 by new owner, Edgar Kaiser. In 1981, the Broncos were 10-6. In 1982, they dropped to 2-7 during the strike season. They had quarterback issues. Craig Morton, who was a former Cowboy and was the quarterback that threw that pass to Dan Reeves that went through his hands, that got picked off in Super Bowl V and, and set up the game-winning field goal. And he was also the losing quarterback starter for the Broncos in Super Bowl XII. And then, of course, there's Steve DeBerg, who just... It seemed like he just got a raw deal. He always was playing the starter in front of quarterback, uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I was going to say legend. They were legends. Uh, Steve DeBerg, he just left San Francisco, and Joe Montana had his job. John Elway would have his job eventually with the Broncos, and then he ended up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And although he wasn't a legend for Tampa, but Steve Young was the guy there. So that's that's crazy, and. But enter John Elway, as a matter of fact. And if you don't already know the story of the 83 draft, it goes a little bit something like this. Elway, the most talented quarterback the NFL has seen in years. He doesn't want to play for Baltimore, who have the play first pick. Ernie, of course, he's the GM for the, uh, the, uh, for the Colts. He picks him anyway. But both owners, the Colts, Robert Ursay, and the Broncos, Edgar Kaiser, they work out a deal to bring Elway to Denver. To Denver. Over the next eight years, not only did John Elway become that pro football Hall of Fame quarterback, but Dan Reeves coached a team that would have 10-plus wins six times. During that time, the Broncos made three Super Bowl appearances. All right, so let's get the obvious out of the way. Look, the Denver Broncos, they got blown out all three times. But stick with me, and I'm going to bless you. 
I mean, Super Bowl 21, it was against the New York Giants, who finally broke through. I mean, Phil Sims, who was the MVP, he completed 88% of his passes. And do I need to remind you the defense that Elway and that offense had to face? Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Harry Carlson, and the rest of that defense, they were all over John Elway like cheap cologne. Super Bowl 22, Washington football team, Doug Williams, they scored a Super Bowl record 35 of their 42 points in the second quarter alone. And two years later, they play in New Orleans again, the Broncos do, and they get boxed. I mean, still a Super Bowl record for points today, 55 to 10 to Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, it wasn't until, what, 97, 98, when Elway and the Broncos, and this is after Dan Reeves is long gone, that they actually won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Finally, finally, finally. Of course, they had a dependable, uh, dependable running back. Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer. They had Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp. They had wide receivers Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey. Yep, Christian's daddy. No disrespect, but John Elway in the Broncos defense was basically what carried them to all of those super, to those Super Bowls in the 80s. I mean, you had Carl Mecklenburg, Rulon Jones, and later Greg Cragen and Dennis Smith, Steve Atwater. Broncos fans knew that. And Dan Reeves, he coached that team up and, and got that squad in position to win a championship. They just ran into better teams. They just did. You know, I, I like the, the receivers that they had. I like the, the three amigos. Y'all remember them? Mark Jackson, Fans Johnson, Ricky Nettil. I did like, like Steve Watson before him, but anyway, you slice it. They won big games with Dan Reeves at the helm. And it's not easy reaching the Super Bowl. You still have 16 regular season games yet to play every year and you have to win your division and you still have to win your conference and the broncos did all of that under dan reese unfortunately the relationship between john elway and his head coach dan reese was not great and it has since mended but that strain eventually would lead to reeves being fired in denver and for what i've read it wasn't just with john elway it was also with mike shanahan you know him the Broncos quarterback coach and then offensive coordinator. And there was an alleged wedge being driven between Reeves and Elway and Shanahan. Suffice it to say, they getting, they did not get along. Why? I'll give that to you next. I need a break. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So after years of getting the Denver Broncos to Super Bowls and all of this winning that Dan Reeves had done as head coach of the Denver Broncos, eventually all of that stuff was going to have to end one way or another, right? Well, I mean, as I said in the previous uh, segment, look, he... And his quarterback, they didn't get along. Just like I talked about with Brian Flores and what we've what I've heard about him, his relationship with Chris Greer of the Miami Dolphins, the GM. There, there are plenty of players and coaches and all that they just cannot get along. And some things probably do need to be separated. 
And then some things I think that you should be able to work through and you can win in that situation. But if the situation is bad enough, some things are going to have to split up and, and eventually they have to come to an end. Well, with the Broncos, I read an article written by Clay Latimer of Scripps Howard News Service on ESPN.com. This is just before Super Bowl 33, which was the final Super Bowl that John Elway would play in, this final game, actually. And it pretty much outlined the origins and the reasons behind the bad relationship between John Elway as well as Mike Shanahan, you know, with Dan Reeves. But as far as Reeves and Elway were concerned, the two guys, they just wanted to do things their own way. And there was impatience with execution from Reeves on his on his side. And John Elway thinking his head coach and his system were holding him back. But it got you guys to three Super Bowls. If anybody knows anything about John Elway and the Broncos of the 80s, it was like he was doing it by himself. He was doing it by himself. I understand that they had, you know, they had running backs, but those guys, they had one dude run for a thousand yards in the 80s until Bobby Humphrey got there. And Bobby Humphrey, as great as he he was his rookie year, and then the next year, Bobby Humphrey didn't last. Why? Because he wanted more money. He tried to sit out after only two seasons. You know, finish your contract, man. And that didn't happen. But uh, it just wasn't enough. It was not enough. But it got you to three Super Bowls, and it was the play calling thing. He wanted more. John Elway, like any other quarterback, wanted more input on the play calling. And Dan Reeves was like his like his head coach before him, Tom Landry, his mentor. He was going to call most of the plays. And that's exactly what he did. There was a point, I think, late 90s, well, early 90s, rather, uh, 90-91, where he gave up some of the play calling duties. But then eventually it went right back to... Dan Reeves doing what he, you know, calling what he wanted to. And, you know, from 90 to 91, you had the 91 AFC Championship game. Elway, they got to that 91 AFC Championship game. They were bad in 1990. 91 Broncos, they they played a lot better. They got all the way back. I actually had a VHS tape. Uh, it was um, NFL film. It was called Battling Back. I used to love watching that. It was another one of those comebacks remember they played they hosted the houston oilers in the divisional playoffs and they came all the way back of course they lost in the afc championship to the buffalo bills in a game where elway ended up hurting his leg or his ankle or something and then comes gary kubiak and they barely lost the game i think it was like 10 to 6 or 10 to 7 i believe it was but 92 7 uh the 92 season things got worse and now and i quote from latimer's article during the offseason, Elway presented Reeves with a wish list. He wanted offensive linemen and big play receivers. That angered Denver's offensive linemen. Obviously, it probably angered the receivers, too. Uh, and perhaps Reeves, who proceeded to draft UCLA quarterback Tommy Maddox. Big mistake. Instead of Tennessee wide receiver Carl Pickens with a first-round pick. And I also read what Elway has said. Pickens must have been already selected. But... Pickens wasn't selected to the second round, and it was by the Cincinnati Bengals. Woof. No, Aaron Rodgers was not the first to get that treatment. And on top of that, Shanahan would be fired by Reeves and eventually resurfaced with the San Francisco 49ers, but then returned to Denver in 1995 as the head coach. It was Shanahan who was the head coach of Elway's two Super Bowl victories. 
Now, all parties agreed that when Mike Shanahan arrived in Denver in 1984 as the Broncos receivers coach and then coordinator, offensive coordinator in 85, the offense began to open up and the confidence of Elway really flowed through Shanahan. Finally, the guy just pissed him off even more. Ironically, Reeves was forced to turn to Tommy Maddox after Elway went down with a shoulder injury after a 7-3 start in 92. Maddox stunk. The team finished 8-8, no playoffs, and the new owner, Pat Bowling, had a decision to make. Either Reeves had to go, or Elway would eventually leave. Guess which one he chose. Yeah. In 1993, the team that beat Dan Reeves and his Broncos six years earlier would hire him as the next head coach, the New York Giants. Reeves would win coach of the year in 93 after guiding New York to 11-5 record after the Giants were, what, sub-500 the previous two seasons under coach Ray Hanley. I think they were like 10-23 and 23 or something like that. Uh, of course, this was two years after the Giants won the Super Bowl and Bill Parcells had retired afterwards. In 97, Reeves returned home to Georgia as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. In his second year, he led the 98 Falcons, known as the Dirty Birds, Dirty Bird, what, what, to the Super Bowl uh, in Super Bowl 33. And, of course, the opponent, John Elway, and the head coach, Mike Shanahan, the Denver Broncos. Yes, Denver put it on the Falcons 34-19 in John Elway's final game in the NFL. But yet again, I have to give credit where it's due. Reeves and the Falcons went from having back-to-back 6-10 and 10 seasons to 7-9 in Reeves' first year and then to 14-2. Then, you travel to Minneapolis to beat the 15-1 favorited Minnesota Vikings in their building. That's coaching. I mean, there was, what, Randall Cunningham and Randy Moss and Chris Carter and John Randall. You get the picture. And then the Falcons team was pretty special. They featured pro, uh, had some pro bowlers, Chris Chandler at quarterback, uh, linebacker Jesse Tuggle, decent defensive backs, who was it? Ray Buchanan and Eugene Robinson. Well, Eugene Robinson probably would rather forget that Super Bowl. You got to stay out of them, 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 them dark corners, man. Leave them, leave them street walkers alone. Uh, I think he learned his lesson. Anyway, inside, inside, you, you, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then there was all pro running back Jamal Anderson. So, dynamic kick return. He was a uh, a rookie that year. Tim Dwight and shoot, even forty four year old quarterback Steve DeBerg was on the roster as a backup. God, this dude just would not go away. It's like a roach. Can't kill Steve DeBerg. Uh, Reeves would win his second AP Coach of the Year award in '98 after that season. And it's to be noted that Reeves was coaching with multiple blocked arteries during the season. In his heart. He would miss, what, weeks 14, no, 15 and 16, and he returned in week 17. I'm guessing he got the procedure done to to get himself right, but these teams, the Giants and the Falcons, Reeves made a difference on the sidelines. In 93, that was quarterback Phil Simms and Lawrence Taylor's final year. Even though they drafted Michael Strahan that year, I mean, he wasn't Michael Strahan yet, those Giants teams, they were not the same. That they weren't the same successful teams that they had been in New York. Uh, and quarterback Dave Brown, he was not the answer after that 93 season. We know, yes, he got excused from the table of the Giants not long after that as well. But 
Reeves, you know, he gets to the Falcons. The owner passes away, I think, that summer before the season started. And the uh, year after the Super Bowl, they lose their best player, Jamal Anderson, to a career-threatening knee injury in the second week, I believe. And he was never the same. In 2001, they draft Michael Vick. In 02, the Falcons are back in the playoffs and upset the Packers at Lambeau. Yeah, y'all remember that game where Rick, uh, Michael Vick ran all over him, around him, and threw him. And just when you think the team is improving, Mike Vick breaks his leg. They finish 5-11, losing seven straight games at one point. Wade Phillips, he ends up replacing Dan Reeves in Denver in 93. And the same thing will repeat itself in 2003 per Reeves' request as he was fired in Atlanta. But these are the details that we ignore. We always ask the question, what happened? You know, you lose certain players and unable to replace certain players. These are things that happens, but it does not diminish the fact that Dan Reeves was a great coach. He got teams winning, 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 winning. He turned some teams around, uh, even though he may not have been the, the most lovable guy uh, in, in, in certain spots as far as football was concerned. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty, obviously there were plenty of players that got along with him and loved him. And even John Elway did eventually, you know, that that uh, relationship mended, um, you know, before the man passed away uh, the first of this year. And that fact cannot be disputed. This fact cannot be disputed. Dan Reeves got his teams into playoff position and to the Super Bowl. You know, better than a lot of people's coaches. Dan Reeves spent near 40 years in the NFL, 39 to be exact, as a player and coach. His nine Super Bowl appearances are topped only by the 12 by Bill Belichick and 10 by Tom Brady to this point. 12 years in Denver, they were in the playoffs six times in the AFC Championship game four times, and they won three. He got the Giants to the playoffs with a playoff win after they stunk. And the Falcons reached the Super Bowl two years after they stunk. And he's one of 10 head coaches with 190 wins. Here's the list. Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Andy Reid, Kirby, Curly Lambeau, Paul Brown, Marty Schottenheimer, Chuck Noll, and Dan Reeves sits right there at number 10. And he's also one of nine head coaches who have over 200 wins, 201 to be exact, including the playoffs. While many described Reeves as smart, innovative, athletic, as a player and a good man, Denver Post writer Mark Kisler, who covered Reeves, said he was a pain in the butt, prickly, and too proud to admit when he was wrong. There was a very good article of his that I that I read too. And I must believe personally that this was true, but he also said of Reeves that he was a good man and one that he liked despite their relationship. He said he had a heart of gold. Seriously though, how many head coaches get along with the writers or media covering them? Seriously, I mean, yeah, exactly. Kisler called Dan Reeves the most underappreciated legend in team history because of their relationship with John Elway at the time he left. Understandable, but two stories that Kisler mentions in an article I read are two shining examples. The first was a letter published by a woman in the Denver Post not long after Reeves was dismissed from the Broncos. Quote, a woman wrote of being stranded on the highway with a flat tire. Car after car passed her until a stranger stopped, changed the tire, and followed her car to make certain she got home safely. The Good Samaritan 
was Reeves. And the second time, I mean, the second story actually from Kizla's personal experience. And I quote again, on a Sunday morning in the early 90s, 1990s, we took our daughter to be baptized. After the service, a man waited at the back of the church to say hello. And he said, quote, well, maybe you know more than I give you credit for. A grinning Reeves told me, because you certainly have a beautiful family, Mark. I mean, th th this was a good man. Yeah, the football side is one thing, but then when you get away from it, that you, you really get the, the heart of a person. You know what I mean? In 2014, Dan Reeves was the first head coach to be inducted into the Denver Broncos Ring of Honor. And John Elway said of his former coach, quote, Dan was a winner. I owe a lot to him. The football world lost a heck of a coach and a man, end quote. Couldn't have said it better. That's it. Uh, references, we thank a lot of people here. Uh, ESPN.com, Dan Reeves, former NFL coach and player, dies at 77. This was written by Jeff Legwall. WISTV.com uh, by South Carolina Athletics. Again, uh, CowboysWire.com. NFL legend and former Cowboys player coach Dan Reeves passes away at 77. This one by Todd Brock. Also, once considered Tom Landry's heir, a parent with Cowboys, Dan Reeves found greatness elsewhere. This is by the Dallas Morning News' David Moore. Also, ESPN.com, checking the checkered past of Elway and Reeves by Clay Latimer. Uh, DenverBroncos.com, Broncos mourn loss of Ring of Fame head coach Dan Reeves by Ben Swanson. Also, the Denver Post's Mark Kisler. Also, thanks again to ESPN.com and ProFootballReference.com and ProFootballHallOfFame.com. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Bill of Sports, the Bill of Sports Podcast Network, BillofSports.com, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You'll find my show and others. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I will find your house out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.